0: After the sermon of this morning, let us return to Psalm 84 for singing the 4th and the 6th stanzas. Our text for this morning is found with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the verses 3 through 8. Let's read that once more. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, And that in this manner no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we have already told you and warned you, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects his instruction does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. beloved congregation of our lord jesus christ we live in a world that is becoming more and more corrupt seems that each new generation is added to the deviation of the previous one we hear grandfathers talk about how things were much better in their days how they didn't have the misplaced desires that today's generation of young people have didn't have all the freedom to go in the directions that that they can And if you look for instance where i'm from from barhead how easy it is for young people just to get in the car on, a, on a, after work and fly to the city and yeah go where they want indulge in things that maybe they shouldn't be indulging in then come home in the wee hours of the morning of course that that is a danger it is something we're well aware of and it was easier in that sense in the old days when you're confined to perhaps your own village or at least your own district, your own little area. And there were not all the temptations, of course. But to think that hearts of men were different then and today is, is to miss the mark, of course. Because sin is in us, whether now or whether yesterday. And really, we can look back on, on the sins of men in, in, in the world, and go back in history, look at the Roman Empire, for instance. You'd be embarrassed by how they lived, how immoral they were. So, there certainly are cycles of, of, of sin that we can look at too as coming, and, and then times where they're more Victorian, so to speak. But. Uh, time and time again we see that the heart of man is corrupt you know from the beginning already and needless to say this immorality is having effect on our our children as well our young people as I get towards the the end of my ministry it has become a it always has been a concern but Special matter of pointing out that uh, the young people, what the Word of God says to them, and and if it says it to them, it's not to say it doesn't say it to all of us, but yeah, to call them to attention, call them to uh, this passage, for instance, of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul's not addressing heathens here. He's addressing the church. And it is like a, a little oasis in the middle of what we read that we speak about this uh, sanctified life and and the opposite of sexual immorality. Uh, because if we look at what Paul wrote here to the Thessalonians, it's, it's quite a glowing report. There are certainly other churches which he has... Stepped on the on their toes and and said things that were harsher than this. It's um, it's not even that it he points out directly to a particular incident, but for the most part, it is a glowing report how these people were Christians and and lived as Christians, and that they also showed this 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 overflowing for for each other and for everyone else of when it came to uh, showing of love that they had learned from Paul love that pointed to Jesus Christ and these people were were exemplary in, in showing the, the good Christians that they were but nevertheless then Paul adds this, this little piece inserts this little piece and he obviously does so for a good reason, he doesn't just mix up his his thoughts he's also, he's thinking of how they are living as the Lord wanted and yet there's also this other matter of sexual immorality that he feels he has to address he has to address the church Uh, he says yeah you are living, you are living finally brothers he says we instructed you how to live in order to please God. As in fact you are living, he says in verse one of our of chapter four. And so we need to keep that in mind that he is addressing the church when he says what he does, what he goes on to say. And I proclaim to you then the word of our Lord as we find that with our text under the following theme and heads, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, and that's a direct. And then, first of all, identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. And secondly, working to walk in newness of life. First of all, then, identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. It's a well-known, documented fact that life in the first century... Uh, Roman Empire tended towards sexual immorality. And the environment of Thessalonica was no exception. Men, as a rule, thought little of extramarital affairs. It was, in fact, a normal thing they felt for them to do. Even their religious life incorporated ritual fornication. Paul already before must have taught them that this was not right and now he writes to say the same the way of fornication and in this sense here it is a fornication that people might think oh it's okay to do because of previous religious thoughts The way of fornication, Paul says, is totally unacceptable in the church of Jesus Christ. And he says that to us then today as well. He says that to the young people of our church. Much along the same line as weak or immature Christians might think of of doing something easy, that's how the Thessalonians thought about this fornication especially with the temple uh, ritual temple fornication in their backgrounds and so it's not just that we want to talk about fornication this morning but it is a vehicle for saying be careful and in this sense in the sense here then that it's not just outright an incident that uh, Paul talks about, but he's talking about a way of life of, of fornication. The pleasure, the pleasure of having sexual relationships with those other than, than one's wife. And I say that in the sense that it, it could be likened to us, for instance, taking a Sunday off, going to the beach. That you figure, oh, that's I can worship the Lord there too. So it's, it's perhaps along those lines by which we let things in into our lives more easily than we should that's what we we have to understand here for us the word fornication of course is is a strong word it's it says to us well yeah obviously we can't do that why do we even have to have to talk about it we know it's wrong it's not to say we it doesn't happen among us but we know it's wrong but it's in that sense where we might look at something and say, hey, this is is pleasurable, so what's wrong with it? And we know that if these, these thoughts, these wayward thoughts, are left unchecked, then it can become a reason of great concern in the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Left unchecked, or that we we give our okay to doing some of these things like as i mentioned before going to the to the beach on a a sunday afternoon and skipping out not that you do it as simple as that but but nevertheless that you you do it then you know we can we need to need to ask ourselves how am i living how am i living my uh, christian life to the lord Because what we do is is how we set our lives, also for the future. What you as parents do, you show to your children. (coughs) What do you expect your children to do after you've shown them something that is wrong, as if it was right? We can only expect them to follow in our footsteps, or should we not? And is that not why we have to be, be all the more careful in what we do? I think also of uh, how easy it is with, with Islam, for instance. They, these these young men, they have the idea that if they would die for the cause, they would go right away to paradise and enjoy all these, these wonderful women. Now, we look at that and we say, well, how, how can they think that? But they think that. And so, brothers and sisters, with that to say... We can easily incorporate things into our Christian living and, and make it out as if it's, it's the, the prize that God gives us on what we do, on the works that we do. Yeah, we all know that. We've heard it so often. The religiosity of Islam. We, we say, boy, these people are dedicated. Yeah, what are they dedicated for? they don't even mind dying if if the thought is I'm going to have all these virgins around me and we can look at that and say well they're quite religious they're quite strong in their religion they pray a lot they bow a lot they they seem to be doing the same thing to a man whereas in our society called Christian we see them all over the map so to speak and what they do and what they what the one person says we have to do the, other, the next person says oh no we don't we do it this way and therefore we think well, religion can can be as intense as as the Muslims show it but what about us brothers and sisters why do we not show a greater in intensity in, in our love for the Lord we of all people have been given such a wonderful message such a pure message such a dedicated to God message because of what he has done for us so we don't have to look at at the Muslims we don't have to look at anyone else But we should ask ourselves are we as Christians sober are we living the life we ought to live Perhaps to say, yeah, sometimes as Christians we, we seem to go in, in, into a direction where we don't want to go. We see this, this somber and, and preaching, yeah, dark clothes and sad countenance as, as an expression of, of Christianity. We, we'd say to that too, that extreme, we would say, we don't want to be there either. But to ask ourselves, and and to start with that, is man by nature inclined to doing what is good? Is he not inclined to to hate God and the neighbor? And should that not be a signal, shouldn't a light go on in our lives and how we live that causes us to check ourselves and say day by day and prayerfully and, and meditatively on looking on the word of God, am I living this way? Am I really doing what what God is pleased to see me do? Or do we do as we want, congregation? Our passage here begins with direction when it says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. We have to know God's will brothers and sisters, I mean, boys and girls of you. Christian man must not concern himself only with those things which, which he likens to do, and even then it has to be good, what he does. He needs to consider, first of all, that God is interested in you and me. And he's interested in the whole of our being. He looks for a complete change in our lives. How do we know that? Well, look what happened to Jesus. He died to our old life. To our old life. Not his, but to ours. So that he could rise to newness. To that new life. As to say to us, this is the change that needs to take place in our lives. The word of God says that to each and every one of us, says that to you boys and girls, you need to, to live as to put to death. All that is sinful in you, in order to put on what is holy. In Christ, We are to know ourselves as being set apart for God. I know sometimes you look at that expression as if to say, and therefore isolated from the world. No, that's not necessarily so. We may have to, in some instances, do that. Yes, of course. And when it comes to sin, every time. No, but set apart for God means we're in His service. We're in this life to show holiness and holiness is what sets us apart from the world that's what sanctification is about we carry in our persons the fact that we are saints saints of the lord set apart from the world and devoted to god alone as being christians a process has begun in us by which the old nature and its habits are increasingly being done away with and replaced with new ways fit for serving only God. And this is is according to God's will. This is according to Him having sent the Holy Spirit. What does it mean that He sent Him into into our midst to dwell in our hearts? What does it mean? It means change has to take place. And we can say, yes, it's a long process. It's a lifelong process. We're not going to be perfect on a given day. Not in this life. But we're working towards that perfection, brothers and sisters. uh, I always want to be careful uh, when I say it's a lifelong process. As much as that's true because of the fact of it. Sometimes people want to use that as an excuse. Oh, I have a whole lifetime, therefore, to change. No, that's not what we mean by a lifetime process. The better today to get rid of sin than to wait for tomorrow. And you should always be thinking along those lines. And, and for that reason, you recall this morning with the Word of God to identify our lives with the death of Christ. We have to identify our lives with the death of Christ. Now that expression isn't found in our text, but it is implied in the prelude leading to our text. Paul speaks in verse 1 about brothers and sisters of Thessalonica living in order to please God. Then he adds, now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. In the Lord. Jesus Christ pleased God in his dedication to live a sanctified life. Therefore, the Christian believers are to find their example in him. But to what extent do we see that dedication of Jesus Christ as serves to be an example for us to follow it is that Jesus was willing to die so as to take our sins away it was such a dedication we have to identify with that death of Jesus Christ in bringing us to sanctification congregation God deals with us on the death side as well as on life side of our persons sanctification requires that we come to the place of death with jesus as jesus laid down his life to defeat death on our behalf so we must live to bring death to the old life as we put on the sanctified life the new life we have in christ lord's day 33 right are you doing that, brothers and sisters? Are you doing that, boys and girls? Are you putting the old ways to death as required? You see, you didn't have to learn to, to, to do evil. You're inclined towards it. We don't need training courses in, in, in sin. And I'm not saying that, that we would want to do that, but in the sense that you don't, parents don't have to teach you in deviation, you're ready to pick it up without them if at a, at a moment's notice. But we do have to put on a new life. Christ has come to make a difference for us. And so to ask you this morning, are you doing that? Are you living in knowledge that he died? Are you therefore putting to death those sins in your life So that you can, with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, put on the newness that demonstrates that you've discovered that part of of, of what Christ has given us. You have to, first of all, then see that death. And that's why Jesus said, for instance, in Luke 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife, and ch- children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Anyone who doesn't carry the the, the fact of his having died for our sins, we can't be his disciple. These are strong statements. Everyone knows that. and You've heard it before. We, we have to live as to be able to hate father and mother if necessary but to serve the lord you can put a death to death that relationship with your parents because of them living in sin but you wanting to serve the lord or your wife or children ultimately and may the lord prevent that it comes to to the if it comes to the point we have to be able to say no to them as to say Yes, to the Lord. If not, that's a strong statement. You can't be my disciple, Jesus says. So it's not, a, it's not an, an optional thing. It's not something we should take lightly. But it's something we should take seriously. This is where the battle must take us. But know then that this is where so many of us pause or fade. We all too often refuse to be identified with the death of Jesus Christ. We do not like to be stripped down to letting everything of our old selves go. I know that we will not change over completely from living a worldly life to living a sanctified life. In the sense we're still human. But we have to continue to strive. to Strive for life. And what is life? That's not just living as you please. It's living in the knowledge that Jesus is the only one that gives that life that has an eternal quality. If to live for today, we will die one day. And what do we have then? We have nothing. But if we have Christ, if we recognize, first of all, to put to death the sin in us, as as Christ did that on our behalf, first of all, as paying the price before God if we do not do that if we do not follow suit in in putting off the old that we do if we're not stripped down if we're if not everything of our sin that we are conscious of is not fought against then brothers and sisters we haven't done enough and that's there for you too as as young people how are, are you living how are you living with each other boy meets girl. We hesitate to say if boy and girl is in love it and when they would go too far we had to hesitate to say it's fornication, but on the other hand, what is it? What is it if if we indulge in things in, in life that you know are not allowed. It's meant for, for marriage. If we do that before marriage, what are we doing? Oh, we can find every excuse and and being sinners that we are by nature, we will always find our excuse, but we shouldn't make those excuses. And that's not to say it's it's easy. It's not to say it's it's without its its difficulties. I know we've raised the children. We've seen the results of wrong choices as well. Wrong decisions. Things done in the name of love, which ultimately, where was the love in it? Where was the love in it? When you see the result, you know. Sanctification. Sanctification. Our lives have to be found in Christ's death on the cross. Our sins nailed to the cross. Crucified with Him. So as to be carried to that position of rising up and walking with Him in newness of life. That's what sanctification is. And it's, it's, there's no time off, brothers and sisters. Saying, I'll Sins of youth. Yeah, the Bible speaks of that too, but it's not in the, as an excuse to say oh, they they have to sow their wild oats. No, no, it's there to say it's sad enough that when we're not fully equipped, that things happen, things which take our mind away from focus on Jesus Christ. Sanctification is not just a question of whether God is willing to sanctify me in Jesus Christ, but it's also that we see this actually taking place in our lives. We need to move towards accepting the death of our old selves, letting the things go which we cherish in our old nature. You can look at things in two ways, brothers and sisters, in the right way and in the wrong way. Anything that is of wrong is wrong. Anything that is in the way of righteousness, as much as it can still be with weakness, it's in the way of life. Paul, to conclude this part by saying, the first part by saying, listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. It's in him and it cannot be apart from him. Indeed, he is our new life and yet we have to show it too in our lives. That we have part in in that newness that he has brought. That's why the Spirit is there. Holy Spirit. Holy. Yeah, to make holy. To make you and me holy. That's what he's about. We should not hinder his work. Congregation. This has to take place. Identify. Identify with the burial and say, that's where my sin needs to be. It needs to be put to death because I belong to Christ as a young person and my friend belongs to Christ as a young person and we're working together to walk in that newness of life and to talk about it in that way because if you're just thinking it it's not enough it's also that we more and more see ourselves talking as as young people Setting the the rules, setting the parameters right from the beginning. Do it then. Don't wait and see what happens. But saying to each other, if you're going to go out with each other, for instance, this is where we are going to go. This is the direction. Are we one on this? We had better be. We need the help of the Lord in our lives if we're going to go forward. And then to do so in faith, to go forward. See, and this is what Paul warned against in in Thessalonica. As much as these Thessalonians were wonderful Christian people, they had uh, captured the word that Paul had brought them and applied it to their lives. There seemed to have been yet that danger—danger of falling back into the old way, sanctioning that old way, and saying to oneself. What is so wrong with it? And he makes it crystal clear it is absolutely wrong. For you serve, as he says, you serve only one master, and that's the Lord Jesus. You can't serve two. If you try to serve two, you're not serving. You're certainly not serving the one that you should be doing. And to take that to heart. So we come to the second point, working to walk in newness of life. We come back again to what we started talking about maybe fornication or if you like sexual immorality we must avoid it Paul says and then he explains what he means by that when he says that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God there's also an alternate reading of this verse some of you will maybe have it in footnotes in your bibles it goes as follows that each of you should learn to live with his own wife or learn to acquire a wife the word used here is the word has the meaning of vessel and one understands how a wife can be seen as a vessel won't bother going into the details but I strongly believe that limiting it to living with one's own wife or acquiring one's own wife is too limited for what Paul is saying here. It's about living as Christ did that is our focus, as been. It's about being in control of one's whole life that sanctification points to in using the word vessel. Paul says in this way in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 when he says, He says it this way when he says that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power if from God and not from us is from God and not from us there Paul speaks about jars of clay vessels in other words as referring to each man's whole body Sure, the sin of fornication, especially religiously motivated fornication with the, the temple prostitutes, is obviously what is warned against. But just having a wife to offset that or making her the only one in one's life does not give a complete picture of what is meant by sanctification here. We need to control our whole bodies. We need to keep our bodies pure, because it's God's will that we do so. It's taking on being different. Set apart in every way from worldly suggestions as to how to live. That has to be our focus. That's what we're here for. That's why we want to come and be equipped by what the Word of God says. Because we need to go out and and be the complete person in this world. It is that the world does not know God that makes them so different in how they live. Not to know God is to let whatever enters your mind play itself out. And what is that? It's to lust after the things of the life. It can be money. And that can be thrown into the equation here well as well, not just fornication. It can be the love of money. It can be the love of almost anything in life when that becomes an obsession. So many people are are caught up on their on their little Hand computers, Facebook. And what else have you? It's almost like it's, it's become a religion. You see people and they're, and they're walking down the street. They've got earphones on, they to, to music. They're, they're using their little computers and doing other things. Same time as they're, they're watching somebody else, listening to somebody else talk. And they seem not to be able to tear away from that. So that can also be applied here. That we're giving ourselves over to to things that, that take away from thinking and changing, correcting in our lives, living for the Lord. I'm not saying you shouldn't have these things, you shouldn't have Facebook, everything can be used in a good purpose. But we have to watch that it doesn't take control of us. And... And God says you can. You can live that way. We don't have to live as the world lives. We can live differently. But so much of life is self-gratification. That's what it's all about today, it seems. Self-gratification. What gives me pleasure? And we see it all over then the Westminster Catechism and asking the first question asks what is the chief and highest aim of man and the answer man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and fully to enjoy him forever that is a question of faith and that's what we're here this morning to say we want to live a life of faith that's a confession out of love for doing the will of God to say, my highest aim is to glorify you, O Heavenly Father. The world outside of Christ does not know of the will and power of God to save us. The world imagines, be it in love with Allah or gods of many other names, that man is ultimately in charge of his own destination. If he does good, he will be saved. If he does evil, he will be condemned. But he cannot do the good he needs to do congregation. He cannot be saved by what he does. His sanctification is, is self-imposed in that he imagines he's going to go to heaven. You hear it so often today, oh, what a good person he was. And you know he hasn't seen the inside of a church in his life. But the funeral comes, and these men of Hollywood, oh, they were such wonderful people. And, and it seems everyone ends up in heaven, and they're waiting there for others to come and and be with them and none of it has to has to do with a solid church life of living a sanctified life. Their whole life has been pleasure, but yeah, they've done a few good deeds here they've they've shown themselves to be likable, so they must be good. God will reward them oh that. Romanist thinking it's it's still so much there isn't it and so the heathens in Thessalonica indulged in religious sex outside of marriage thinking we're doing what we need to do to be religious that was before they became Christians of course and the danger always there the young Christians to fall back into that we too may grasp at things short of the excellence that God requires And we we may have it in mind to please God, but in the meantime, we're dealing with some major issues of a sexual kind, or for that matter, any other kind. It can be money, as we said before. It can be the Internet. Your vessels, your bodies, need to be kept pure. The meaning, then, is that sexual sin, besides being an offense against God's call for you to be holy and honorable, is, in fact, an act of fraud it's an act of fraud against a brother or sister and taking what is rightly his or hers, taking that in, in the wrong way, as is with fornication. The heathen might justify the prostitution of women as a religious mandate, but justifying it on the basis of human invention doesn't make things right. And always ask yourself, is this what the Lord wants? We often hear young people say and being confronted by the fact that they've they've had premarital sex and it was done out of love. And one understands that somewhat. We're all human after all. But we also have to understand it. it is not right. It is not right. And we have to continue to, to think that, young people, because more and more today... It seems to be that this is looked upon as as okay. You love each other. What can be wrong in loving each other completely? God's will and his will alone is what remains good and just and holy on this earth. And that he has introduced us to the newness, which is in Jesus Christ. That should be the motivating factor for each and every one of us in our lives in showing thankfulness for serving Him. The Lord hates sin. Satan loves it. What are we we going to choose for in our lives? No, but it's more than that. It's not... That we're neutral. God wills. And when the scriptures here say that this is what God's will is that you should be sanctified, he has also given that opportunity that you can. By having Christ carry our sins away and by having the Holy Spirit sent to, to introduce us to the word of God and through prayer. Even perfecting our prayers for living a life to Him, to God, to His glory. And to be encouraged in that, young people. Go forward. I know the temptations are great and society says in order for you to have pleasure you have to do this and that. And everything they show is, is man's pleasure. But what is pleasing to God? And ultimately, what is pleasing, if not eternal life? That's the gift he has in store for you. Live your lives accordingly. And may God give you the strength. Amen.